the hard shoulder. With Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Well, we want to continue now with the fallout from the nurses' uh, dispute. Uh, The details have emerged in relation to um, what is now known as a new grade of nurse. It's called Enhanced Nurse Practice Grade. From the 1st of March, a new higher pay scale will be applicable to all staff nurses who have four years qualification who will automatically get this. It's an extra €2,439 or 7.3%. This has been described as the Labour Court as phase one of fundamental change in the role of staff nurse. There's also promises that the uh, location and qualification allowance payments uh, will be extended uh, to Dublin Health, uh, to, to public health nurses in midwife services. But this must not exceed 10 million a year. A little bit of confusion in relation to how this will be funded. Um, the Labour Court says the costs of the new enhanced nursing practice arrangements will be funded by measures including, and this is what really perplexes me, because the whole point was to make it more attractive for people to enrol in the Irish Nursing Service and the HSE, altering the new entrant payments assigned to the nursing and midwifery pro- professions. And apparently this is worth over £30 million. Uh, reduced uh, spending on agency personnel on the proposed productivity measures, which seem somewhat vague. Well, obviously, of concern is the rope ladder effect that this will have on the other 80,000 workers in the health service. Uh, We spoke last week on this programme to members of the National Association of General Practitioners who say under the FEMPI cuts they've been reduced by 38% in their fees. We know that ambulance drivers are engaged in action I think on the 19th and 21st of February uh, over an inter-union dispute. They want to join the PNA and we also know that Forza have said that their representatives are, and SIP2 are going to look very closely uh, at this. And it goes on and on. Well, to get independent analysis of this, it's a pleasure to welcome UCD economist uh, and uh, UCD economist and columnist with the Sunday Independent, Colin McCarthy, in studio, and Brian Turner, health economist at Cork University Business School in UCC. Well, Colm, you know... It's all very well for economists, but the reality is that 90,000 patient appointments, including oncology patients and a lot of vulnerable elderly people in relation to triage in emergency departments, were facing no service for three days. Uh, the government was under a lot of pressure. Sure. Uh, the, the, the problem is that last year, 2018, for the first time since 2008, Uh, the government finally got the budget back, nearly crept reluctantly back into some kind of balance. Uh, And in 2019, it's meant to be a tickety-boo. Unfortunately, the economy might take a hit this year from Brexit and from the international slowdown. So the public finance problem is not solved. Uh, And in Ireland... The public service pay bill for all 320,000, 30,000 uh, public servants we have 
uh, if you add up the, the public service pay bill and pensions which are related to pay, the total is about equal to the total yield of income tax. Now, it's all very well. It's about 20 billion, is it? 21 to okay. uh, in, in the next year or two. But roughly, uh, the, the income tax take goes on public service pay. Of course, public service pay income tax too. But, but when you add up the numbers, they both come to a little bit over 20 billion. Now, it's all very fine to say the nurses do a fine job, and I'm sure most of them do, uh, and they need an extra few quid. But of course, as you pointed out, every other public official uh, in the country will be seeking something the same and every trade union official representing teachers or people in the defence forces But that doesn't mean they're entitled to it. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, or people in local authorities uh, will come along and say we'd like to have some of that. Uh, the, the number of public servants in the country is about nine times the number of nurses. So whatever the cash cost is to nurses, you can with some confidence uh, assume that people will very quickly be seeking to multiply by nine. Now, if it turns out to be, initially people say oh, it'll cost 300 million to, to put a stop to the nurses, right? it looks like it isn't going to be as much as that, but it's not clear how much it's going to be and it's not going to be zero. But whatever it is, you can multiply by nine. Uh, and what the government did not announce today was that we're putting up public service pay, and we're putting up income tax. They didn't make those two announcements. And that's the problem. And people have this idea that uh, the economy's had a reasonable run, things are expensive, uh, uh, rental accommodation in Dublin is, is beyond the reach of people. There are nurses, I'm sure, driving 30 and 40 miles off from the Midlands to work in Dublin hospitals because they can't pay rents in Dublin. But that problem is not solved by blowing the public finances. But, well, let me bring in Brian Turner, health economist at Cork University Business School. Uh, Brian, what's your reaction to the deal in terms of the impact it'll have just within the health service? Well, I suppose, Ivan, there are a couple of issues, really. I suppose the first is, you know, if this is not entirely self-funded, and you know, we always hear about these these productivity increases, which which uh, uh, as you say are quite vague. So if it's not entirely self-funded, then I suppose the first question is, where is the additional money going to come from within the health budget? Is there going to be a supplementary estimate? Uh, we were told that that's no longer going to be the case. So is that now going to be uh, a feature, or if it's not going, if there's not going to be a supplementary estimate? Then what services will the money be taken from in order to pay for this? So I suppose you know it's 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 the um, the economic uh, phenomenon of opportunity cost. If you spend it on X, you can't spend it on Y. So uh, I suppose we need clarity on that um, first of all. The other issue, and and I suppose this is really the the crux of the issue. I mean, the, the whole reason the nurses went on on strike in the first place was because of recruitment and retention. Now they said in order to recruit more nurses, you need to improve the pay and conditions. So if that happens now what happens next? I mean, will this actually lead to recruitment of additional nurses? And if it does, has that now been factored into the, the cost of this? Because it's not just the cost of increasing nurses' pay for the existing nurses. The whole purpose of this was to try and recruit additional nurses, which are going to be needed if Solange Care is implemented. Um, so has that been taken into account? Because that's that's going to, to increase the, uh, the, the, the cost of pay in the health sector as well. And and what what, what do you think 
impact this will have, say, for example, on the PNA overtime ban, uh, health assistants who are looking for money, uh, general practitioners and Forza, who all operate within the whatever it is, 130,000 people who work for the health service. Well, I suppose, as, as Colmar articulated already, I mean, it, it is likely that a, a lot of other unions will be looking for something as well. Um, and well, well, sorry, just know, in the, relation to the whole comparison, graduates and so on, do you think they have a genuine case to ring-fence this? Um, I suppose it, it, it's going to be difficult to do that uh, because of the, the, the nature of the, the health system. And as you said, the, the FMP cuts for, for GPs, I mean, they, they'll argue, look, they're highly trained as well. And, um, you know, they have additional costs in terms of, of running their practices. So, uh, you know, I suppose it, it is likely to lead to knock on, knock on claims within the health sector, you know, whether they're uh, sort of comparable or not. I mean, they're, they're, they're undoubtedly going to be additional claims, I think. Uh, Colm, you had experience before in relation to what happened uh, about 14 years ago, which was that, you know, we were hitting on good times. uh, Politicians wanted to be popular and and we had a number of special pay claims. And uh, I'll I'll never forget Joe Toole's memorable uh, phrase that, he had secured this benchmarking arrangement, which was like an ATM machine. Um, Bertie actually got a lot of credit for being very skilled at industrial relations. Are there any analogies between that and this? Well, I, I, I'm not sure uh, uh, how skilled Mr. Hearn was. Uh, there were many ingredients in the creation of the financial disaster here that cost 300,000 jobs. Uh, and, and so much damage all around the country. Uh, a lot of it was the bankers lending money they shouldn't have lent. Uh, in fact, most of it was that and the failure to regulate them properly. But a public service pay explosion was part of it. And there was a public service pay explosion in, in, in the decade leading up to the bust. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why the, the government, when they eventually had to face the music, went for Fempi and other uh, rather... Uh, crude methods of cutting public service pay. Uh, Pay awards were made in the years leading up to the bust that shouldn't have been made. And they were made in a very interesting way, some of them. Some of them were pretend this is only 3% or whatever it was in the National Pay Agreement. This was a classic uh, manoeuvre. But then you have all sorts of we'll give you the extra increment or we'll create a different grade or we'll promote everybody or we'll have extra allowances for this, that and the other, uh, until eventually the actual pay arrangements in some parts of the public service uh, ended up like an old hulk of a ship with a thousand barnacles attached to it, uh, each of them called a special once-off allowance that will never be repeated uh, and that will be, uh, of course, there will be productivity now and that will fix that and so on. And meantime, we've only given a 3% pay increase. Uh, but the the figure you have to look at is the aggregate overall annual cash figure for public service pay and pensions. Uh, and that figure uh, was eventually brought under control after the crash. It's gone back up again the last few years, and I'm not saying that was necessarily wrong. And there has been some restoration of of the pay reductions that occurred after the crash. But the situation is now tricky. And if the government decides to abandon uh, uh, pay control in the public service, they can dream up all sorts of nice names for it, about 
you know, restoration and productivity deals and, uh, and all of that. But it's a dangerous time to be doing it. Uh, you both have experience of the third level sector. Uh, one of the kind of focal points of angst on this show has been, and this is a double-edged sword, Brian, um, 1,400 graduate nurses are turned out by our education system every year. We've seen uh, posters and placards from Sydney, Australia, of saying, we want to come home, but we're paid much better in Australia. Is there not an issue that, you know, if, if, if you want to get the people, you got to pay them, Brian? I suppose the, the, it's a delicate balance to be struck. I mean, you, as I said, it, 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 the whole issue about the, the strike was about retention and, and recruitment, not per se about pay, but pay is obviously an issue in terms of recruiting and retaining, particularly in a situation where we have uh, global shortages of nurses. So we're, we're not the only country where it's difficult to, to recruit and retain nurses. Uh, even in the UK recently, they, they've lost tens of thousands of nurses out of the NHS in recent years. So it, it is a matter of trying to, to entice people back in. Um, but in order to try and reduce the the, the workload, which uh, is is another issue in terms of uh, of the recruitment and retention of nurses, then you need to recruit additional nurses. So that that's going to be the the critical issue in terms of this this new deal. Assuming, of course, that it is accepted by the nurses, as we're all kind of working on that basis at the moment. But uh, well, what if, do you think, if, Brian, will happen if it's not accepted? Uh, I think all bets are off at that stage. But surely if you go on the principle, if I have my foot on your neck and you concede, if I keep my foot on your neck and put my other knee in your groin, uh, you're li- more likely to pay more. I, I suppose it, it, it'll very much depend on, on whether the, uh, the, the, the INMO will, will be able to, to get its uh, members to, to back the deal, I suppose. Um, 95% but, in favour of, of militant strike action? But if, if they, they, but if the strike action has no led to a deal that they're they're happy to accept, then you know, hopefully there won't be any further uh, strikes or or, or um, uh, disruptions to service. What about the Australia point? And and I mean, like it's apparently unthinkable. Like whether this is. Uh, architects working in our construction industry, whether it's radiographers, whether it's uh, a whole slew of teacher shortages. I mean, is it unthinkable that we'd say, you know, graduates should be compelled to work one year in the Irish economy? Or is that just right wing fascist rhetoric? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it, it's an option. Now, whether or not uh, it would be legal, or you know, I, I'm not sure what the legal issues are, if if any, would be in terms of of saying that. I mean, certainly it would help in terms of uh, the, the the health workforce. I mean, not only is it an issue for nursing, it's it's an issue for for doctors as well. We actually have the highest uh, rate of medical graduates per capita in the OECD in Ireland, and yet we also at the same time have the third highest proportion of foreign trained doctors. Uh, in the public health system across the OECD, okay. so we we're, we are hemorrhaging graduates in in in, in health related disciplines, not just nursing, but also uh, medical practice as well. Colin, yeah, uh, the, the the Department of Public Expenditure uh, produced a report last year, which has never been controverted, uh, which argued that nurses' pay in Ireland is about the same as in Australia, uh, which is one one of the best paid uh, uh, places in the world and that nurses' pay here is 20% higher than it is in Britain. Uh, and those figures have never been controverted to my knowledge. Uh, on, on the point about doctors emigrating, uh, somebody who is on the executive, I think, of the Hospital Consultants Association uh, made the argument uh, during the week 
or last week rather, that a very high percentage of all the doctors that we train here sail off to work in Australia and, and Canada and so on and so forth, uh, and that they should be paid more in order to get, come back to fill vacancies here. But it's six years now uh, to get a medical degree, uh, and the average cost, if it was being paid, is 40 or 50 grand a year. So when these folks graduate, they have helped themselves to about a quarter of a million quid's worth of taxpayers' money. And if they want to graduate and sail off to Australia, uh, then perhaps the money should be collected at the airport as they uh, uh, go on board. Or do we do a deal with Australia and say, we'll train all your doctors for you and you can train all our architects for us? I mean, there is really a serious question about whether uh, uh, the Republic of Ireland is becoming... Uh, uh, a free provider of skilled labour for other countries. And how do you think, because as you know, third level colleges are looking for another billion in euros that talks about going down the league table. We've had the Cassells report. Do you think extra funding might be negotiable on that basis? Uh, uh, Well, there comes a point where you have to ask if it is uh, fair to the public at large to spend a quarter of a million per skull on training up medical people here who are going to sail off uh, and, and, and decline to take up positions in the Irish Medical Service. For example, airline pilots pay 100 grand to get trained. There's no such thing as, as a BA in uh, airplane driving uh, uh, provided for free by the government. All right, my thanks to Brian Turner, health economist at Cork University Business School in UCC, and here in studio, economist um, Colin McCarthy, who I will be having a return encounter on television tonight on this very same topic with Matt Cooper on a panel on Virgin Media One after 11 o'clock. I'll be bringing you your vexatious texts on both sides of this. Din and Fury next.